Good morning, good morning. My name is Andrea Simintov, and you are listening to Pull Up a Chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, and first of all, we're starting with our romper room moment because I am so excited to be sharing um, this time with you. So it's very late at night. Call a kavod to you people that are up so late in the United States and Canada is listening in. We have New Zealand and Australia with us today. Um, Ghana has joined us. Hey, where have you guys been? Haven't seen you in a while. And of course, Boker Tov, Eretz Israel. So happy that you are here with us. Um, today's show is, um, we're calling today's show, Who Has Your Back? And I think about that a lot because one of the things that I think has been very prevalent in the Jewish world, and I don't know if it's always been this way in the Jewish world, we tend to idealize, but, you know, it used to be Jews looked out for one another and we really helped one another. And I'm not so sure if that's really going on today. And today's Parsha, that's all about it. Um, today, we're also going to talk about, again, it's an upbeat show. It's an optimistic show because just like the summer sun that we can count on here in the Holy Land, there's always something good and beautiful to gloam onto every single day. Over this morning's coffee, the husband and I were talking about loneliness. And there were have been a lot of shows done on it about the isolation of others. So today we're going to think about a little bit, we're going to talk about what we can do to relieve the loneliness of others. Has the shall we say the episode, <laughs> so many episodes, so long has this COVID been, have you experienced loneliness? Those who you love, have they experienced loneliness? Just curious what your take is on it. I'm anxious for you also. Please drop me notes, Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and let me know what you've been thinking about. Um, yeah. Okay, so as you know, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm just seeing now, I forgot. We've changed the format of this show a little bit. You know, we used to have like a sort of very formal format, and now it's really we start in the schmooze. So this Shabbos, I'm very excited. Any of you who will be around Jerusalem, you can drop me a note and ask me. Um, I will be appearing, I'll be speaking on Shabbos afternoon, late Shabbos afternoon at the Suda. Shlishit, the third meal gathering of a group of really very holy, wonderful English-speaking women here in Jerusalem. My topic is called The Magic of Okay. Never say never. Any of you who have been regular listeners to this show know that it really is my pole star to say that, what was that really cornball statement where the going gets tough, the tough gets going? That never is not a word that should exist in the Jewish um, language, in the Hebrew language. Uh, it just isn't. And that optimism is something that we can decide. Somebody said to me recently, or they sent me a meme, I can't remember where it was, it said, it said something like, both optimists and pessimists contribute to society. The optimist invents the airplane, the pessimist invents the parachute. Well, you know, I think about that. And it really is true. Um, I've heard so many people say, I could never, 
and then fill in the blank. I would never eat raw fish. I would never, you know, not that it's all that desirable. Those of us who, I mean, live a Torah life, we could say, I'll never eat not kosher fish. I'll never eat something that's trafe. I'll never mix. I'll never put yogurt on my lamb. I mean, that's that's Torah. Um, you know, that's halacha. But to say never, to not try, it's what keeps us young. Um, came across an incredible article. You know, I always say, if something rings true, you can better believe it is Torah. A gal who I am absolutely in love with, I think she just turned 70. Don't ask me where I get these articles. Obviously, the algorithms send me all the peppy stuff. And her name is Joyce Faulkner. I wonder if she was uh, any relative of James Faulkner. Anyway, when she was 60 years old, she was looking, she was kind of depressed. She was kind of sad. Her husband had just died. And so she went on a holiday by herself to Italy and ended up with a new job. Um, She just kept thinking about that. She was crazed, crazed with grief. And she was standing somewhere. She was having a cup of coffee somewhere. And she... Let me just think. Oh, yeah, there was a house swap. She was interested in a house swap. I think she's British. And there was a house swap and it didn't work out. But the owner was crazed. And she said, do you know anyone who might come and help me with my children? And this Joyce Faulkner did what I always say is right available to us. She said, oh, okay, tell me what it involves. And she wrote a little bit of the list and she said, I could do that. And this kind of trust kind of built between them. And these two women had never met before. And Joyce became a uh, an au pair, a home nanny, a home grandma to this couple. And I just kept thinking about it. You know, her sister kind of pointed out to her, you're used to living on your own. How are you going to cope? And she said, if I don't try it, how am I going to ever know? So I was just thinking about it. What chances are we taking? What are you taking? You know, we've said on this show so often, nothing that's worth it, nothing that's worth it is ever easy. Easy is not the way it goes. In fact, you know, taking care of our health. Somebody said to me once, obesity is hard. But being fit is also hard. We can choose our hard. Communicating, opening up dialogue is very hard. You know what else is very, very hard? A lack of communication, silence. Choose your hard. Life isn't going to be easy. It's not worth it if it's easy. Hiding from the excitement and sometimes disappointments in life doesn't make it easier. It makes it parve. It makes it bland. It's like eating all of your food without any salt or any sugar. Life is always going to be hard, but we can choose to make it fascinating. We indeed can choose our hard. And with time and experience, I think we're going to want to choose wisely. All right. Um, let's see. What else? Ah, ah, let's get over with the depressing news. We have like three minutes left. So you're not going to believe this. Israel's housing prices. 
Have any of you, any of you listening from overseas, have you been thinking about buying a vacation house in Israel? You'd better be filthy, filthy rich because just this last year, the prices went up 15.9%. I think that was a Globes report. Not certain. Um, Israel's housing prices, they continue to rise to record levels despite a slowdown in purchasing. Um, I know the best thing I ever did. It was an accident. Believe me, I was frightened. I was timid. I bought my apartment. My apartment is literally, don't sneeze too hard in my house because two walls can fall down. And yet the price is just climbing and climbing. The highest price is going up. The steepest in the city is, of course, Tel Aviv. Duh, duh, duh. And um, it's even going up in the periphery where they're begging people to move. Uh, in the north, 1.4%, 1.2%. I don't know. People talk about the bubble. Is the bubble going to burst? And it really is kind of opening my eyes, opening my eyes to what's going on here financially. The question is, is the plethora of housing, they're building all over the place, but the prices aren't coming down. Is this poor management? Does this reflect what's going on worldwide? I know that I went supermarket shopping this week and it was staggering. I went to the cheapest store in the world. Seriously. I mean, it wasn't just self-checkout. It was self-loads of vegetable bins. And um, the prices were shocking. They said, I think, I think our bread prices, bread, a staple of all modest societies, the bread prices went up 36.6% this week. So the rise in housing, they expected, according to this, expected to also cause um, a rise in rents. People are really suffering here terribly, adding to the rising cost of living. I hate giving bad news about Israel. You know me. Everything is perky here. Everything is rosy. But I want to know what's happening in your corner of the world as well. Interestingly, last week, I think, Anybody, correct me if I'm wrong, any South African listeners, I think two plane loads of Olim new immigrants came in from Johannesburg last week. I don't know where they're all living. They can't all be going to Renana. They can't all be going to Alon Schwut. Um, and also yesterday, yesterday, what was yesterday? Wednesday, I think Wednesday, Nefesh Benefesh welcomed in a new group of American Olim. So people are coming home. Home is waiting for you. But nevertheless, it's not easy. But again, what do we do? We choose our hard. Okay, when we come back, we're going to talk about the power of geekdom, Israel's newest geeks, what Israel is doing in the geek war, and how we are wiping up the awards um, programs around the world and also <laughs> for a chuckle get ready apparently men are much hungrier than women when sitting outside in the sun well i could have told them that anybody who goes to the beach with my husband ronnie would know starving starving stay tuned when we come back don't go away
Shalom, this is Nadia Matar from the Sovereignty Movement. At a time when there is so much disinformation, you have to know who to listen to to know what really is going on in Israel. Israel News Talk Radio is the radio where you can know that what you hear is the truth. Hi, my name is Michael Ben Noach from Slovakia. Israel News Talk Radio is just the best radio station in the world and I listen every day. We're back, Andrea Simintov. Pull up a chair on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Okay, talking about Olim, people who make Aliyah to Israel. You know, these really are heroes. They're heroes. I know the state of the world is certainly in flux all around. Um, Anti-Semitism, let's not pretend it doesn't exist. There are all kinds of clinics all kinds of clinics and um, programs to teach our children how to adjust. And um, anyway, so Jerusalem is impossible. If you're planning on moving to Israel, not if, when you're planning on moving to Israel, stick a dish. Um, Jerusalem is really out of your, out of everybody's league. Okay. They're building projects, projects. I don't know who the tax base is going to be, but nobody asked me. Nevertheless, the Aliyah and Integration Ministry coordinating, this is very interesting, there's an office called the Development of the Periphery, the Negev and Galilee Ministry, the Galil. Um, They've approved a package for certain immigrants who decide to live and work in the country's northern and southern peripheral regions. This is really critical because for the longest time, I'm here, thank God, thank God, thank God, 27 years. And it's been a problem because certainly the educated Anglos, we're called the English speakers and also uh, North Europeans, have been primarily sort of, they've been in Renana, they've been in Jerusalem, they've been in Tel Aviv. They've been in all of these kind of popular um, sections And the periphery of Israel, which is empty and open and beautiful, but terribly underdeveloped, has had a hard time drawing people. A lot of the reason was because there really was no work opportunities, no health care opportunities. If you needed a hospital, if you had to drive two hours, I mean, the country's not that big. But if you're in a crisis and you can't get to a decent hospital, it's a problem. So what are they doing? Everybody, I hope you're taking notes. And if not, you want me to send you the article? I will because I'm hoping that this is going to excite you. Physicians um, will be able to receive, I'm just trying to see how this package works. I don't know, the article explains it better than I can, but my notes tell me that physicians are eligible to receive 50,000, let me do it in dollars, okay? $14,500 per family, I don't know, if it's a one-time deal or a many-time deal, while the other professions are going to be given um, almost $6,000. Both packages will be dispersed in two installments delivered during their second and 13 month residing in the north in the southern Negev region. I get it. It's a, it's a total amount, but nevertheless, you have to understand as new immigrants, 
The packages are fantastic. The kind of help and aid and education and incentive and Hebrew language classes is just fantastic. So that in order to receive the package, one head of the household has to be an eligible immigrant. It means you can come back with your Israeli partner, <laughs> stick a dish, and has to work in the following professions. Get ready, everybody. Medicine, dentistry, pharmacy, pharmaceutical assistant, optometry, um, orthotics. We could still use a few more of them here in Jerusalem. Okay, clinical genetics, medical lab workers, speech pathology, dietitians, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, dental technician, dental hygienist, nursing, clinical criminal, criminal, criminology. Well, why would they need that? We don't have crime in Israel. Podiatry and surgical podiatry. I have to tell you, this is so exciting. Please don't. Don't poo-poo this. This is incredible because the incentive comes in the wake of a looming healthcare staffing shortage and the whole country is going to be impacted. I'm very excited about this. I know that my husband and I, as we are aging, it's not going to happen to us for many, many decades, but nevertheless, as we are aging, we're beginning to open our eyes to the quiet, the beauty, the potential, and indeed the verve and the vitality of Israel's uh, peripheral communities. So let's see, anything else we want to tell you on this story? A major shortage of doctors. Could you believe it? Jewish country, major shortage of Jewish doctors. Huh. Anyway, very exciting. And on a final note from Rabbi Yehoshua Fass from Nefesh Benefesh, that the organization has been working very closely with the Israeli government to find viable solutions to Israel's healthcare staffing crisis. Anybody listening to the show now? Indeed, don't poo-poo it. This may be exactly the incentive that you've been looking for in order to come home. Oh, look at that. Malaysia has joined us. Hi, good morning. Is it good morning or afternoon in Malaysia? Azerbaijan. Have you guys ever been with us before? Very nice. And of course, all over Israel, including Haifa. All right. I promised you a geek feature. All right. I love the geek features. Uh, I'm embarrassed because I wanted to also toss out that in this week's, there was a judo competition and an Israeli Arab girl from the north, and you really deserve better information than this. And I apologize in advance. Blineda, I will correct it next week, but I would be remiss not telling you this lovely Israeli Arab girl that I would not want to meet in a dark alley because she is very, very powerful. She won the gold medal in this international um, judo competition representing Israel and she stood with her teammates, other Israeli girls, and all of them wrapped in the flags, and all of them, to a word, singing the holy Hatikva. Real goosebump moment. Okay, another woo-hoo moment. Woo-hoo, Israel. <sighs> Israel scores 18 medals in science Olympiads. Um yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody just asked me. Somebody, uh, a, a listener just asked, what is Hatikva? Forgive me. I just assume that you all know Hatikva translates to the hope and it is Israel's magnificent national anthem. Uh, Google Hatikva, listen to it, memorize the words 
and like me, like so many of us, be stirred. Okay. Revital Wallach. Wallach. I always wonder who's related to who. Okay, she related to Leon Wallach. Okay. Revital Wallach, she's a 12th grade student at Rav Barhan Opana in the small, well, actually, it's in the city of Gadara. And she's the winner of the gold medal in physics. 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 You heard me. At the 2022 International Science Olympiads. Please, a country the size of New Jersey, the Baharan Opana, it's a four-year, it's a boarding school with girls, has about 480 students in grades 9 to 12. I saw this picture of Revital. She was adorable, again, in the religious school system, the blue, the dark blue skirt, the light blue shirt. It looked like it was a torture to have her picture taken. She is looks so sanua, so modest, and... Um, the founder of the school, apparently Rav Baharan, Rabbi Baharan, he passed away in 1994. He was a dedicated educator who believed, here goes, babes, teaching every girl spiritually according to where she is and trusting her com- completely. It's the stuff that wins gold medals. Or as Revital put it, I'm a geek. <laughs> I'm a geek and I'm proud. I'm sure she speaks English. We're trying to get her on the show. Um, but the, the Israeli team, not to diminish, not to diminish her um, achievement, again, international stage where people would tell us they wanted to push us into the sea. Not so fast. The Olympic, the Israeli national team won how many medals? Three gold medals. Let's say we won. Uh, no. 18 medals, three gold, eight silver, seven bronze. Okay, those are the losers in the crowd. And they trained for the competitions at Israeli universities as part of a joint venture between the incredible Ministry of Education and the Center for Future Scientists. And um, yeah, I'm just so I'm shaking. Beyond winning the gold, Revital Wallach recorded an extraordinary achievement when she defeated 369 participants from 74 countries ranked first in the field to become the first Israeli to win the gold in physics. Everybody, let's remember her name, Revital Wallach. We will be hearing from her. Okay, as we close this segment, just hear this. I I kid you not. Exposure to the sun makes men hungrier than women. It's an Israeli study. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm supposed to laugh. Um, okay, research. Open your wallets. Men will be much hungrier than women when they expose themselves to the sun, going to the beach and paying high prices for a sandwich, a dessert, an ice cream, cold drink, or as we say here in Israel, achtig, achtig, that's an ice pop, is becoming more and more expensive. And it turns out that men, more <laughs> More than women are the ones who demand more food while spending their time in the sun. Um, there's a dramatic metabolic difference, according to the study, between males and females, impacting both their health and their behavior. Um, the study concludes with, it says, as humans, we have cast off our fur, obviously in a... Uh, a uh, uh, a Darwinian reference, and consequently our skin, the largest body in our organ, 
is exposed to signals from the environment. Um, the winter is over. Mating season is begun. Our results prove an encouraging basis for more research on both human metabolism and potential UV-based therapies for metabolic diseases and appetite disorders was the conclusion of the report. Okay, so anybody listening in, I know I have to pack three more sessions, three more sandwiches for Ronnie and a whole bunch of fruit when we get back from the, from the beach. And when we come back, everybody, Parsha Ha Shavua Torah. Howdy, Bruce Brill here from Nokdim, Israel, in Judea, the homeland of the Jews, and I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. You think you can get real news about Israel from major news sources located far away from Israel? Think again. Get it from the source. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel. We're back. We are so back. Uh, Andrea Semito, pull up a chair. Israel News Talk Radio. This station just gets better and better. And really, it seems to very much line itself up with what the listeners um, want from a station that celebrates Jewish life, the Jewish world, Torah, and indeed Eretz Yisrael. Um Okay, so before we actually get, I wanted to, I opened up today talking a bit about loneliness. And I had a, the, the discussion began, um, I was telling my husband about a dream I had had. And as you, anybody listens to the show, I have an elderly mother listening. Uh, she's not listening. She can't even find her computer. We're working on that. Uh, my elderly mother in the States is lonely, lives in a wonderful, wonderful um, senior residence filled with activities. But, you know, sometimes it's hard. Certainly, if it's hard for those of us who are not in our 80s and 90s to push ourselves to go out to activities, to find ways of socializing, to take a look at a roster or a list of scheduled events and choose two or three that we want to attend if it's difficult for those of us not in that age group how much more pressing is it difficult indeed impossible is it for those that have lost partners whose children live far away or never were blessed with children and i was thinking it's not just me thinking. We talk about this all the time. It's part of what I'm going to address, please, God, in my talk on Shabbos. Imagine if we got up every day and said, not just what can I do? What can I do to change the world? Can I cure cancer today? Today I'm going to handle male pattern baldness, make the world a happier place. But imagine if we pared it down to saying, who can I reach out to? You know, I was also telling my husband, the reason I was telling I had this dream was because I dreamed that I was visiting my mother and I was 
she's in America, I'm in Israel. And I only had three minutes. And in the dream, she was so excited. And in those three minutes, she was perky. She was funny. She was vibrant. And then I had to go. And as I was leaving, she suddenly was turning around to people around her and interacting. Well, when I woke up, we could have just left it alone. But the fact was that there was a message there. Just as though, and we're going to get to this in Parsha in a minute, we are not, we don't have to know the outcome of our endeavors, but we are not released from the obligation of endeavoring. We do not know. I have one client. I go, I visit her and I treat her once a month. You know, the whole visit is maybe an hour. That hour is for her so, so rich. And consequently, I exit her home invigorated, altered, indeed changed. And imagine if today we took it upon ourselves, we're approaching Shabbos, very exciting, another Shabbos that we're being blessed with, another Shabbos to reflect, to connect to those that are closest to us. Imagine if this is the Shabbos where we sit and say, whose life will I interact with today, this week, even once? We really could change, indeed, the world. Which brings us to, dun-dun-dun-dun, Parsha Matot. The portion of the week is Matot. So this week's Parsha, it marks the conclusion, the end of the book of Bamidbar. Bamidbar is indeed the desert. The book with the longest narrative of the events, all the things that happened to the Jewish people during their very difficult trek in, in the Sinai Desert, Midbar Sinai. On the whole, you know, not to make anybody feel blue, but you know, it's a kind of depressing book. Um, all of those great hopes, running out of Egypt, marching into the land of Israel on a, uh, thort, on a short three-day journey. It really should have been a three-day journey, which appear at the beginning of the book, dashed, smashed, acts of rebellion, treason, foolishness, committed against not just God, but Moshe. And all of that is recorded, indeed, in the later part of the book. You know, Moshe now is also destined to die. This is very clear. He's never going to reach the land of Israel. So this entire recording of all the stops, the pit stops, the oases that mark that Jewish journey from Egypt to the land of Israel, there's a lot of reflection going on. There's always a sense of what might have been. What could we have done differently? What opportunities did we miss? Indeed, what were our mistakes? Um, Rabbi Wine, Rabbi Beryl Wine brings down that it's kind of true of all of us when we look back at our lives, at the journeys we've made, the decisions, the endeavors we've undertaken. A lot of times life is made up of a series of regrets, but that danger Again, we talked about optimists and pessimists. The pessimist kind of hangs out there in regret land, dwelling on those matters, 
stopping, almost physicalizing. The emotion physicalizes um, the ability to plan and be upbeat and plan positively. And it weakens our resolve to live more productively, more meaningfully, more connectively. You know, in the Parsha, they recite all the different places where Israel dwelled. And it's a reminder of the insights that they've been allowed. It allows people to kind of recall their mistakes, but points them towards the fulfillment of the goal of entering the land of Eretz Israel. You know, if we just hang out, if we never look back, if we never review, we never change. This is the way I am. Take it or leave it. This is how God made me. Antithetical to Jewish thinking. It's not who we are. It's not the way a Jew is supposed to speak. Every day we are given a fresh canvas to repaint, redo. Yes, to look at yesterday's artwork, to look at yesterday's narrative, to look at yesterday's fabulous or not so fabulous novel that we wrote by living and say it was great or toss me some more paper and um, and a new keyboard. You know, we're not supposed to operate, <laughs> Rabbi Weinberg, I love this line. He said, one should never operate an automobile without looking regularly into the rear view mirror. But our attention must constantly be riveted on looking through that front windshield to see the roads and to see the conditions ahead. Such a long exile the Jewish people have experienced. Our complete dispersion over the face of the globe We've stopped in so many places. So many of us listening in, whether live or via podcast, know that they are part of that miraculous sprinkling of Yiddin, of Jews throughout the world. And it all has a purpose. Sometimes a stop was a short stop, but a lot of times it was for millennia. Okay, uh, where? Babylonia, present day Iraq. Jewish home for thousands and thousands of years while Iberia, Iberia, isn't that like Spain, uh, North Africa, Poland, Germany, European countries housed us for a whopping 800 years, 800 years, as opposed to the history of man, pit stop. And yet somehow, no matter how long we stayed in a certain place, how productive, how immersed, how rooted we were, we all understood that we were living in a host culture and it was temporary. It was impermanent. The journeys of the Jewish people, in a manner of speaking, were still wandering. But there always seems to be a goal. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov stated, every step I take on this earth leads me towards Jerusalem. All of the stops, no matter how long their duration in the Geula, in the exile, in the diaspora, were eventually nothing more than just times out on the road to where we're supposed to be. Rabbi Meir Simcha of Dvinsk 
summarized it succinctly. I loved coming across this in his assessment of the Jewish exile. Oy vavoy. He doesn't say oy vavoy. That's the Andrea. He says, woe to the ones who imagine that Berlin is Jerusalem. Well, <laughs> 75 years later, we know that Berlin was far from being Jerusalem. But there are the names of a lot of other capitals, a lot of other cities in the Jewish diaspora that can easily be substituted for Berlin in this all too prophetic statement. Let's pray together that our travels are finally coming to an end and that we can strengthen ourselves in that hope this Shabbos. It certainly is worthy of discussion. You know, there's a Midrash that tells, oh, let me toss in again. Let me toss in the uh, the um, <clears throat> the email address because I love hearing from you and your thoughts. And again, if you want me to send you some of the source material, um, you can reach me at Andrea at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. So again, there's this Midrash that tells of a bucket with no bottom in it. And yet, the employer, he offers his employees, his workers, wages. You'll get your salary if you fill that bucket. A fool sees it as purposeless. But the wise man realizes that his pay, the pay he's receiving, is for the labor and not the end product. We're kind of conditioned by society to think only of the end product or the part or the um, the end product. What did I say? The, or the prophet. You know, if we can't do the whole job, we despair. Why am I even trying? What's the point? Of course, I have a point in all of this. Learning Torah is very different, um, as we see in this Mishnah. Quote, you're not expected to complete the work, but neither are you free to desist from it. Each and every one of us, the close quote, each and every one of us should take that time to reflect on the effort we put into the mitzvot, we do. Even if you're not sitting with an open Sefer Torah, an open Gemara, okay? Even completing the mitzvah. In the summer months, I certainly know, I'm a lot more relaxed. I don't have the same pressures during the year. I have more free time. This is the time we should probably, or at least consider, increase our efforts in studying Torah or being more invested in a Torah-consistent life. We don't have to try to finish it. Rabbi Tarfon, we all remember him from uh, the Haggadah. Rabbi Tarfon comments on the task of mastering volumes upon volumes of Torah study. He says, quote, do not be dismayed. The work is not for you to complete, unquote. Your obligation is to study as much as you can and to learn as much as you can. In no sense do we have to finish the work. On the other hand, we are not at liberty, at liberty to desist. As the Chofetz Chaim says, it is not for you to achieve, but to act. Achievement is the province of the Almighty. Above all, concludes Rabbi Tarfon, remember that the ultimate reward the last act in that play called life. It's not played here and now, but it's played out in another dimension of existence in a world which will surely come. Each on his or her own level should undertake to set aside some time each and every day to study Torah, to make 
and effort. So um, let's get that back. I love that. I know that I'm very, this is stuff that absolutely grabs me. I think of it. And um, again, I'd like to know your thoughts on the subject. Where you. And remember, Torah doesn't have to happen in a base medrash, in a synagogue, in a yeshiva. Torah can take place in a soup kitchen, in a hospital, in a public in a public park, just opening our eyes to where the need lies. Okay, in this parsha, the tribes of this is this is interesting. I didn't really I I didn't remember this. And I'm embarrassed. I usually read the Parsha before I start the show. And this week, I forgot. And I'm reminded that the tribes of Reuven and God, Reuben and God, yeah, I guess that's Reuven and God, approach Moshe with a request. If we have found favor in your eyes, let this land, the east bank of the Jordan, they're referring to, be given to your servants as a possession. Do not bring us over the Jordan to the land of Israel proper. How does Moshe respond? He responds with a seemingly simple question. Should your brothers go out to war while you settle here? According to Teferet Yehonatan, what is Moshe really asking? He's really saying, when your brothers who are living in the land of Israel go to war, when the enemies attack Israel, Should you remain seated in your comfortable homes in the diaspora? The war that protects Israel is not just for those who live in Israel. It is the fight for existence of all the Jewish people, wherever they may be in the world. You know, I get this. I I, I got this. This was brought to me. This point was driven home by Sharona Margolin Halakman in her book, Parsha Points, uh, she a beautiful book called Parsha Points, More Torah from the Land of Israel. And she kind of makes me remember something very powerful. You know, I remember being kind of upset with my ex-husband when he, like so many other Jews, we were living in the diaspora. He picked up. I had just given birth to my fifth child. And it was as though he were being pulled back to Israel during, for those of you who remember, in late 1990, early 1991, Operation Desert Storm. He ran back to be with his family and help in any way he could. This was very hard for me to grasp at the time. I'd like to look back and blame it on hormones, but I think it was that I was not evolved to the place where I would have wanted to be. Um This was also repeated many times, manifold during the Second Lebanon War. Thousands upon thousands of Israelis came home to pick up arms, man soup kitchens, provide sukkah to their brothers under siege. They didn't just back and say, I don't live there. No, I picked up. I'm finding my fortune elsewhere. It's not my problem. Jews living in Israel who were not directly affected by that particular war went out of their way to help those who were in the line of fire, inviting total strangers to spend weeks in their small apartments. I've said this many times and it bears repeating. The Jewish nation throughout the world, throughout history and in the future, we are indeed like a moving, colorful 
vibrant tapestry. Sometimes the colors in the tapestry in one section appear more vivid than in another. But there are so many textures, so many hues, and the entire precious piece is valuable beyond comprehension. Nevertheless, when there is a tear in one piece of the fabric, the entire work is compromised. We don't say, ignore it. The rest of it is okay. If one section is torn, the entire work is threatened and vulnerable to ruin. Any museum curator would run, spend untold funds to mend the repair before it is too late. Cain, Cain says to God, Cain, in the opening of the Torah, am I my brother's keeper? The Parsha has brought us far from Eden, but the question remains. The answer is indeed, or unequivocally, yes. This Shabbos, as you sit around the table, if all of us consider that every person with whom we come into contact was created by Hashem in his image for his honor, we can't help but show deference to all without considering their level. Honoring man is indeed the essence of honoring God. Shabbat Shalom Umevovach from Jerusalem. One minute of Torah. In this week's Torah reading motto, the tribes of Reuben and God request permission from Moses to settle east of the Jordan River outside of Canaan, explaining that as shepherds, this land is choice real estate for their large herds of cattle. Moses is upset that they prefer to live in meditative solitude rather than face the world head on in order to conquer and refine it. He agrees to the request only on condition that they first help their brethren conquer the Holy Land. He also sends half the tribe of Manasseh to settle with them, since Manasseh was known for their dedication to refining the material world. The tribes agree. If at times we feel burdened by business or weighed down by the world, it will do us well to remember that it is specifically through confronting the physical world, refining and elevating it, that both we and the world will be brought to our ultimate state of peace and perfection. With Israel News Talk Radio, Menev Tarad, Sizchav Isaacovich. Israel News Talk Radio, straight talk from Israel.